Welcome to the Building Stronger Homes podcast, where we apply principles from God's Word, the Bible, to child training and home life. I'm Stephen. And I'm Scott. We are Bible teachers in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and we are eager to get into God's Word and apply it to our homes. All right, well, welcome back to the Building Stronger Homes podcast. Uh, we've given a bit of an introduction last week to uh, this uh, program, uh, going through Scott Smelser's material. It's grateful uh, grateful to have uh, him with us. Um, and today we're going to be discussing some beneficial boundaries and kind of especially some early childhood training principles on the show. So uh, I don't know if we're going to do a little bit of recap what we did last time. Yeah, we uh, and, and to let you know where we're going to be going today, we're going to be talking about the importance of the word no and the importance of a little child learning to respect that word but also learning to not use that word in a rebellious way, to respect the prohibitory no, but not giving a defiant no. And that's a super, super important boundary uh, for kids. Um, before we do that, we will recap and touch on just uh, briefly some of the things we talked about last time, that what children need is, as we've seen in Deuteronomy 6, fathers taking the time to teach their children. We see that again in Ephesians 6. Uh, in Titus 2, mothers love being trained by older women to love their husbands, love their children, uh, be workers at home, be pure, uh, etc. And then just all the discipline and training and instruction uh, that children need, given out of a motive of love. Mm-hmm. Proverbs 13, verse 24. And what all that leads to is kind of our theme verse in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way they should go um, so that when they're old, they will not depart from it. And we want to have those homes like Joshua said, as for me and my my house, house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah, Other people are going to choose other things, but this is what our house is going to do. And we might mention also here at the beginning that when you go through the Bible, you don't see a great multitude of excellent parenting examples. You know, that's a great point. Like, I was trying to put together a lesson on fathers one time. I was like, okay, let's get all the good fathers in the Bible. Wow. There's, like, yeah. not, not a lot. And, of course, there's some that, that are some good and some bad. But as far as, like, oh, here's a real exemplary one, it was like, there's, there's a few and far between. It, there's, there's so many more examples of bad fathering. Uh, And sometimes you'll see a very good man who is a bad father. And sometimes, and I think you mentioned this last time, there'll be a very bad man who has a good son. Yeah. So it's not not like we're talking Xerox machines that whatever you are, your child is going to be. It depends on, for one what's trained into the child, and then for two, the decisions that that child itself makes. That's right. Which, as we're going through all this, you know, there are no guarantees when it comes to parenting. The Bible gives us all the tools we need to parent well, but the Bible also teaches about free will and that we all are going to make our own choices and that you could do all the right things as a parent. Your child may still choose a path of rebellion. 
However, they're going to have a much, much better chance at doing well and making good decisions if they're given biblical training from a young age. And so that's the goal here is to lay out the biblical principles. That's right. Uh, I believe Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they're not depart from it, is the general rule. It's the truism. All right. So uh, let's take a look at some biblical examples of good and bad parenting. Uh, let's begin with Lot. Um, we're not going to go through the story of Lot, but if you're familiar with the story of Lot, there's some pretty disappointing things that go on in uh, his family, uh, the way he reacts, how, how his wife reacts, how his daughters react. And I think we can see perhaps where some of that comes from when way back in Genesis 13, uh, Abraham and Lot need to spread out, and Abraham tells Lot, you can, you know, you choose which way you want to go, and Lot makes his decision of where to take his family based on what? The way that the land looks. Oh, this looks like a prosperous place. It's green like the land of Egypt, and ignores the fact that some of the most wicked cities of the ancient world were right there. Yeah. I mean, as a as a herdsman, it really makes sense to pay attention to the land, but land is not the only thing. You know, if 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 there's a spot that has good land, but all the water there is poisoned and toxic, that's that's not where I want my kids to be drinking from. That's right. And if if a city is exceptionally immoral and the influencers around them are going to be terrible, uh, it, so many bad decisions can be made there. Uh, how about with uh, some of the patriarchs and favoritism? How does that tend to work out? Yeah, it, you see it with um, Rebecca. You see it um, later on, of course, in Jacob's family, really bad with different uh, favorites. And that plays out through most of the book of Genesis. And what's interesting is you think about, uh, you know, the way that the our family growing up affects our parenting. The favoritism in the patriarchs tends to kind of go from generation to generation. And you just see how much strife that introduces into the family and how the mistakes of the parent can be overcome by the children, but oftentimes the children are repeating the mistakes of the parents. And in this case, choosing a favorite child and just the enmity, the strife that that creates and the fallout from that can be generational. Yeah. And then we have two fellas who were both did not do well as fathers, Eli and David. Of course, Eli will die, and it's because of what he's done in relationship to his children. And it is the Lord sends the message through Samuel uh, about that punishment to come. And you'll remember Eli's sons were sleeping with uh the, the women at the tent of meeting were, were being greedy in how they were taking uh, sacrificial meats. And Eli didn't do anything more than say, you know, why do you do this? Why do you do this evil? But then you look at David and Adonijah, and you find out David didn't even step up that far because First Kings 1-6 says David at no time ever displeased his son by saying, why 
did you do that? Right. And so we talk about the proverb, you know, that it's the rod and reproof that bring yes. correction. And you can say lots of things. You can give verbal reproof, but if there's never any discipline, if there's no consequences given to follow up, it just falls short. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, we see some better parenting in Timothy. Yeah. Uh, because the faith in Timothy uh, is attributed uh, significantly to what individuals? His gr- mother and his grandmother yeah. in Second uh, Timothy 1. And what's interesting there is apparently Timothy's father, we don't know his name, but the, he, we know he was a Greek from Acts 16. And so it's apparent that Eunice, Timothy's mom, was having to raise Timothy, it may be with, with pagan influence in the home, and yet she's instilling faith in her son. Yeah. Of course, that's not what you aim for as the biblical right. model, but Eunice is a great example right. of, in difficult circumstances, still determining to do what's right and not yes. saying, oh, well, the father's not on board spiritually, so I just can't. No, no, she still instills faith in her son and may have had help from her mother, Lois, yes. Timothy's yep. grandmother. And so these two women, Paul credits them and says, this faith yep. dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, and now is in you as well. So there we see, like you mentioned a minute ago, the generational defects that get repeated. Here we see a generational benefit that gets repeated. And I want to say a word quickly about Jonadab. Um, his clan was the Rechabites. And th- there's an interesting point to be made here in Jeremiah 35. God tells Jeremiah, call the Rechabites in and, and tell them to you know sit down and drink some wine. And they say, no, we're not going to do that because our father said that we're not going to do that. They had some family rules about what kind of uh, trade that they were going to be in, how they would live, and, and staying away from wine. And they said, our father said we weren't going to do this, and we don't do that. And God used them here as an example. Look at the respect that these people have for their earthly father and look at the lack of respect that Israel has for me. But the point I want to notice here, it is valuable and good to have some standards in a family that aren't necessarily direct commandments from Scripture. Now, what do I mean by that? Uh, i tell you what I don't mean. I don't mean that we get to make laws that we claim are God's laws. Right. Because then we're going to end up raising little Pharisees. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a culture where you realize that in your town, in your culture, in your city, in your family, having a TV is going to be a bad idea, and you decide not to, well, that'll probably benefit your family. If, upon certain circumstances, you decide, I'm not going to work at this job because of the influence there. Okay, good. Uh, If you decide, I'm not going to put my kids in that public school because you see the influences and how corrupt it is. Good. Now, that doesn't mean that you stand and condemn somebody in another town, another family, who chooses to use a, a good public school or chooses to have a television set or live in a certain neighborhood. But when you see something being detrimental to your children and your family, having the, the, the because as parents, we're not just 
reading the Bible to our children, we're training them up to learn all sorts of things, and there will be hidden dangers in things around us. And so I think there's value in being able to have standards for your children and your family that you don't pretend to them are the Word of God, but they're just wise because of where you find yourself. Yeah, Does that make sense? That's right. And I think, Jonadab, you see that the, the children understand, like, this is our Father's command. Yeah. This is not the Lord's command. Because that, that's where the Pharisees got off, is yep. they created their own commands, which in and of themselves might not have been wrong, but the confusion between their own commands and the Lord's commands led Jesus to strongly condemn them because they were teaching as commandments of God the precepts of men. And so as parents, if we do have those rules that are biblically founded but are not direct commands in the Bible, then we need to be very clear with our kids about, well, this is a, this is a family rule. You know, we want to serve God. We want to do what's right. But mom and daddy have made this rule but to, so that the children understand how to distinguish between those things as they grow up and say, well, here's a rule. Like, this is God's rule. Like, mom yeah. and daddy didn't make this up. You know, this is what God has said. But in addition to that, there's some wisdom that we hope that mom and daddy have that are trying to guide our children in the right way, but to make a careful distinction between those things yes. in the children's minds so they know what where these rules have come from. Yes, yes. Uh, I think that's right. And then not to look down on a different family that has some different rules in, in, in their house and act like they're unclean because they don't have the same family rules. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so... We come back now to this text, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. In Proverbs twenty nine fifteen, a rod and a proof impart wisdom, but a child who is unrestrained, the NET version, brings shame to his mother. Another translation says, who gets his own way. Uh, and so we're going to say something briefly here about time and then get into that boundary of no. Uh In the spring, if you put in a garden, if you sow the seed and don't do anything else, what are you going to get at harvest time? Weeds. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of weeds. Yeah. How about if you sow the seed and then you you, uh, make sure it has the proper nutrients, you make sure that the predators stay out, you know, you put up a little fence to keep that rabbit out that was chewing off the blossoms. Uh, you make sure to water it when it's been a dry spell. Uh, you weed it when you know some dandelions start popping in. Now, what kind of what, now? What are you going to get at harvest? You're going to get some good fruit. Yeah. So if I live next to you, Stephen, and I just threw some seed in the ground in the spring, and you've worked your garden hard all summer, uh, at the end, I look over my fence and I say, "Wow, you were lucky. You had you had good vegetables." <laughs> It's not luck in this case. Now, I will say, I am not a gardener. <laughs> I don't think anyone would envy any kind of gardening going on at my house right now. But in the in your example, uh, you can't just say, oh, well, you had it easy, when actually it was a lack of diligence, a lack of work. Yeah. And there, there's something here that's just true of life. If you make, If you always make easy decisions in life, you will have a hard life. If you will do hard things, it will make your life easier. So it's hard to weed a garden, but I'll tell you what, going out one day and picking out those three weeds that got in there to begin with is easier 
than going out two or three months later and trying to undo the damage of all the pro- proliferation of all those weeds. Yeah, that's so true. That's what they say, nip it in the bud, yeah, right? Yeah, Get yeah. it early and things get a lot easier, which, I mean, this is going to be true with our kids. You don't just wait till they're teenagers to be like, all right, and now we're going to start to parent and, you know, tell them. You start as early as they can understand, which is amazing how much kids can oh, understand. It is. It is. And I, I will have new parents sometimes ask me, well, how do you know when... And I said, if you don't know if the child understands, you know, err on the side of not holding uh, and frustrating a child who doesn't understand by assuming they understand. But you know what? Within a few weeks, that that where you were wondering if they understand or not, yeah, they're understanding. They get it, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, when you know they understand, then... They're ready to they're they're ready to be learning these lessons, and one of the first ones is it's a basic vocabulary lesson. So uh, the English word "no" means no. In a lot of families, that's not what it means. In a lot of families, it means a bunch of different things. But you need to have your child learn that no means no. Uh, So let's think about the importance of this. Uh, Adam and Eve created in the Garden of Eden, um, and God gives them a command in chapter 217. What was that command? Shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah, there was a big no-no right there. Now, it's not that they couldn't have good stuff, because it was connected to all these other trees. Right. All these wonderful trees and fruits. You can eat from any of them. This one right here, that one's a no-no. Now, how I assume that Adam and Eve are made in what would be an apparent uh, full-grown form uh, uh, right away there. But how much wisdom and experience do they have? They don't have any wisdom and experience yet. All they have is what God has told them from the beginning. And they ended up behaving a little bit like a untrained three-year-old that you tell them, don't open the cookie jar. And so they, they go for it. Um, in the, and by the way, God let that tree be in the garden. That's right. He tested them, and he let the snake be in the garden. Yeah. And so God allows them, he gives them everything they need, which is really important from a parenting perspective, is, okay, there has been a rule set. There's an understanding of the rule. Because when the serpent comes to Eve and says, did God really say you can't yeah. eat of the trees? He's, well, she repeats the rule and says, yeah. no, God said we may freely eat of the trees of the garden, but this tree we may not. So she understood. And there the were Lord consequences that, right, in laid the day out. Of it, you'll surely die. But then the serpent tries to undermine what God is saying. Well, yes. he knows when you eat this tree, you're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. And so there's temptation. And the world is constantly trying to undermine the work of parents. Yes. Parents are are teaching children, okay, here's what the Bible says, here's what we're saying to you. And then the world is saying, well, really, do your parents know what they're talking about? Does the Bible know what it's talking about? And and so that's another part of parenting. One is giving the rules, but then also reinforcing and saying, no, really, there are consequences. And as soon as Adam and Eve ate that fruit, they realized God was right. Yeah. (laughs) And he comes and he talks with them, and there's consequences that follow. 
there really are a lot of people in this society trying to undermine what you're doing with your kids. One professor in New Mexico said a while back, uh, we need to get rid of the idea that children belong to their parents. There's a lot of people that think that they know more about what your children need. And one of the things they believe is that they need to teach your children not to respect God. Uh, we're, we're in a dangerous world. All right, Exodus chapter 20. And now these are full-grown adults, but they're very spiritually immature. They're brought out of Israel. I, I don't think anybody would say this is uh, a super mature group of people out in the wilderness. Nope. Um, God gives them some laws, and he puts a, a lot, 10 of them on the tables of stone, most of which are prohibitions, yep. no-nos. These are not the greatest laws of all. How do we know that the Ten Commandments are not the greatest laws? Jesus said as much when they asked him what's the greatest commandment, and he quotes two that are not part of the ten. Now, in some ways, the ten sum up the two, but... Or They're contained within the contained two. Yeah, men. yeah. Yeah. And the two are positive because they're what? Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor. Yeah. So those are the two greatest commandments. And Jesus points out in the Gospel of John, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And Paul points out in Romans 13, if you love your neighbor, you're not going to do these bad things to him. But if you only put the high principles out there, we can be immature enough that we're doing the things we're not supposed to do. So it's helpful to have the no-nos listed. No-no on the killing, no-no on the stealing, no-no on the false witness, <laughs> It's just hard to picture uh, you know, Moses coming down with the tablets with literally no-no on the, <laughs> <laughs> the stealing. Yeah. But that is basically what it is. is he's uh, yeah. training this nation. And actually, in some of the prophets, he'll look back and, and say, when Israel was a child, I led them. And so Israel was spiritually a child. And yes. God is telling them, okay, here's the no-nos. Here are the yeah. things you need to avoid. So here's a vocabulary test uh, for uh, parents, moms, and dads out there listening. And, and by the way, we'll, we'll do occasionally a test. Uh, uh, and the thing is, if, if you realize your child has a problem, it, it, that's not the time to cry and throw in the towel. Our children are going to have problems. That's what we're, we're there for, is to train them. And so, like, if they fall down and skin their knee, that's why you get them a Band-Aid, and you kiss it, and you make it better, and, and, and you clean it up, get the Band-Aid on it, and we're good to go. Uh, they're going to get a fever. They're going to they're gonna have different needs. We need to respond to those needs. So this is not a test to see you have failed as a parent this is a test to see, oh, this is where I've got work to do, and then do the work. So what does no mean to my child? If no to my child means tantrum time, mm. then I've got a job to do to train him that no actually means, oh, no, don't do that. Uh, which, I mean, you've probably all seen this at the grocery store or Walmart or whatever, you know, that what are kids going to do? I mean, marketers know this. They put all the toys where the kids can see them. <laughs> Daddy, can I have, can I have? And um, and for some kids, you see, no means tantrum time. And it's not a pretty thing. 
uh, when a child has been trained in a sense that way. Because we might even not even think in those moments that we're training our children, but the way that our children respond to know yeah. what we allow them to do yeah. is training them. And when oh, yeah. we allow something, you might not even be actively saying or teaching something, but the behavior we permit is a form of training for our children. Yeah. Uh, somebody told me they were in line at the store, and this little boy was saying, I want that truck. And the dad was saying, no, no, you can't have it. I want that truck. No. I don't want that truck. No, we're not going to get that truck. I want that just over and over in the line. And then finally they get to the register and he says, okay, get him the truck. And it was the the person at the register, somebody else said, you're going to let him have it now? Yeah, it would have been better if you're going to let him have it at the beginning to say, sure, we'll get you that truck. Because that would have been doing something nice for the child. But what you just did was you trained him to disrespect no. Mm. That when dad said no, you just keep asking and asking and asking and asking and asking until you wear him down. Or the kids, then they're kicking, they're screaming, I hate you, you're mean, until they embarrass mom into, and, and she says, you're embarrassing me. Yeah, <laughs> that's 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 exactly they have, they right. Learned, it's amazing how young they learn oh, yeah. to do these things. Yeah. So if your child thinks no means it's time to throw a tantrum, then you haven't yet taught your child what no means. Uh, they understand it, it meant no, but they think it means they can throw a tantrum. Your little child needs to learn no. That's not what no means. No means you can't do that. You have to accept that. And when you see, when you see a one and a half year old that uh, goes in somebody's house and they start heading towards the table to pick something up they shouldn't pick up, and the mom says, "No, no, let's let's leave that alone," and his hand goes back down to his side and he toddles off somewhere else. That's a well-trained child. There's no tantrum. There's no. There's no argument. You can tell that he's learned what no is. And and that doesn't mean that there never had been a tantrum. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's right. Not, it's not just oh, you're lucky you. You got a obedient one. Um, you know, three kids so far. There has been training needed with yeah. all of them. And and there are t- there's time after time after time where there's not the proper response. And so you train. And so you work with them until they get to where. They, they do the right thing. Right. And even when they've been doing the right thing for a while, every once in a while it crops uh, up yep, again. And yep, you got to, okay, yep. let's revisit, no, and make sure we understand. That's right. That's right. And so it's a process. It's not that it's going to be a perfect response every time, but training makes such a difference. Yeah. And it's back to, like we said, on a cross-country trip. Uh, your hands are on that steering wheel. You're going to adjust over and over and over along because you find, oh, we're drifting to the right, we're drifting to the left, and sometimes children yeah they'll start slipping up and then bring it back together all right if you say no and your child's attitude is the defense attorney may now cross examine (laughs) you you got a problem Uh, oh by the way when your kids start arguing with you don't say things like you know you would be a good lawyer you're so smart uh just encouraging. No, yeah, don't encourage that. And I, I, 
this isn't a statement from the Bible, but uh, it was on a, a video uh, about child training uh, from uh, a child psychologist or something. He recommended don't get down on your knees in talking to them, you know, face to face and arguing, you know, trying to answer all their arguments because that's giving the child a power that the child shouldn't have. So it can go like this. Um, you know, uh, mommy, I want to go play in the road. Uh, oh, well, Jared, no, I don't want you to play in the road. You, you might get hit by a car. You know, well, why not? You might get hit by a car. Well, I would hear the car coming. Well, well, it, it might be a quiet car. Well, I'll listen real good. Well, it, it might be a car that doesn't make any noise. Well, I'll look. You've, you've given up your role as parent here. You're putting them in a position where they're getting to dictate whether or not your rule makes sense to them. Mm. And when God told Abraham to go sacrifice his son, did that make sense to Abraham? It did. He had some things that he thought, maybe it's this, but he does not talk back to God. He just says, here I am. When the prophet from Judah was told, don't eat there and don't drink there and go back another way. Is he told why? No. Now, there will be times for sure when we want our children to understand why. Yeah. And Proverbs gives a lot of whys. Don't do this, and here's why. But if we treat God's word as, okay, God, I'll obey after I've decided right. it makes sense to me, that's not submission to God. And your one-year-old and your two-year-old they have the ability to learn to respect mom and respect dad, but they don't have the ability to understand electrical currents and why they don't need to stick things in sockets. Right. And so they need to be able to, when mom says no, oh, that's no. Yeah, and sometimes there's just no time to explain. <laughs> you're yeah. In a high, you're in a, a tough situation and you need your child, no, stop. Yes. And they need to know to stop yeah. in that moment so that nothing worse happens because they don't understand the consequences yet. Like Adam and Eve, they haven't lived yeah. long enough to yeah. understand what can happen in the road. A ball rolls down the hill and it's headed out into the road. And a child who has not learned to respect no, and the parent's saying, no, stop. And But I'm going to get the ball. The child that has learned, no, stop, that child stops. Mm -hmm. Now you might say, well, that, that exact scenario might not play out. We're not just looking at one scenario. We're looking at learning to respect no. If God says no, it's no. And when mom and dad say no, the child needs to understand that. Also, if my child thinks no means don't do it while mom and dad are watching, well, what's that going to result in? They're going to do what they want when they're not going to, when they think they're not going to get caught. Yes, uh, but when your child learns, oh, daddy said no, I can't do that. Oh, mommy said no, I'm not supposed to pick that up. You did your job. And I've said this over and over, and I always say that I know it's some hyperbole and some exaggeration, but it's not as much as people think. 
uh, when you teach a young child to respect no, about half your work as a parent is already done. Hmm. There will be more challenges. There will be new things you face as they go through adolescence and puberty and, and teenagers and getting ready for adulthood and things. But this principle right here will put them in a better shape for all of those things, and here's why. When the child learns that daddy said no, so I am not supposed to go there or pick that up or eat that or whatever, they have learned to respect authority. They have learned, I won't always get my way. The little screaming tantrum thrower at Walmart, he's learned to try to manipulate to get his way. Yeah, And he knows that he's done this before, and he might he get might, his way. Or the truck analogy, work. if I ask enough times that I might, might, no doesn't actually mean no. And so after they've heard the no, they're still trying to get their way. Whereas this other child, they've learned, oh, no, it's sometimes I wanted to eat that. I wanted to go there. I wanted to watch that. Dad said, Mom said no. So they just, that's part of their life. They realize I don't always get my way. They've also learned that their behavior is more important than their desires. Mm. And they have learned to be able to have self control. And have self-denial. Now, when a one and a half and a two-year-old learns to respect authority, I don't always get to get my way. My behavior is more important than my desire, and I need to control myself. Wow. Yeah. I, when that child is 16, how beneficial is that going to be when mom and dad aren't always there? Mm-hmm. And they realize that there are reasons for the no's, whether they understand them or not. And they've learned respect for authority, whether or not it's mom and dad. Most of all, respect for God's authority. Yes. And so when they're on their own, they now have all the tools. Now, of course, they're still going to have free will. They're going to make their decisions. Yes. But they understand why they need to listen. Yes. Why they need to be corrected. Yes. Yes. And as they grow older, you'll give them more whys. Uh, yeah, because this results in that, and this results in this. But when they respect authority, when they're willing to understand, no, the world is not about, I always get my way. The behavior is more important than our. And what did Jesus say? If you're going to follow me, right up top, he says, if you're going to follow me, first you must deny self. Mm-hmm. So you have set this child up to be ready to serve a more important father than yourself. Mm-hmm. So, and do we see adults that still don't respect authority, still always trying to get their own way, still think their desire is more important than how they behave, and have never learned to deny self? Yeah. There's a lot of adults like that. And unfortunately, adults like that, it's easy to train kids like that. Yes. Even though you're saying the right thing, if the adult's not showing that change of heart. And, you know, that's been something that's interesting about the 
these principles you're showing, even with like the tantrum, the defense attorney, and then the if mom and dad are watching, it's just different levels of the same problem. The tantrum is the most easy to see yeah. because there's just no filter. Like, yeah. I don't like that you said no, so I'm going to make a scene yeah. and try to get my way. The, de- the defense attorney is a little more subtle because they're not throwing a tantrum. They're calm, but they're not. there's not a submissive heart. Right. And so you're still trying to get your way. The mom and dad aren't watching. They're not maybe even doing the defense attorney thing. It's yet it's more subtle, learning to be but sneaky. it's still a rebellious heart. Yeah. And so all these things are trying to get through, not just the behavior, but training a heart to submit to God's authority and to trust God yeah. and to trust the parents, even when they don't understand, to say, I know they love me. I know they're trying to help me. And so I'm going to do what they ask me to do, even if I don't understand, even yeah. if they're not around. And that's the ultimate goal. And that's the goal for adults, too, is we're all learning to trust God, trust his word. But if we haven't been taught those things from a young age, it, it's a lot harder the yes. older we are. Yes. But if we'll teach them to our children in whatever age your child is, and if they're a little bit older and you realize, whoa, I should have done this, you know, they're, they're five and they haven't learned this, maybe sit down with that five-year-old and, and, and apologize and say, this is something I should have taught you before and we're going to we're going to do it now and you know but get it done you know help them understand and they're going to be a happier child and they're going to be just a better human when they learn this principle uh sometimes parents feel selfish when they've said well i said no but now they're pitching a fit or crying and they've gone on and on and on and I'm wishing I would have said yes, and, you know, am I being selfish? No, you're not. You're teaching your child not to be selfish. As adults, we don't get to do everything that we want to do, and we need to remember that our behavior is more important than our desire, and we need to help our children learn that. And you see a little two-, three-year-old that knows that, that's usually a happy and secure child. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're not to play with this, but they go right over there and they're playing with something else. And by the way, there should be lots of yeses. Yeah. In the garden, it wasn't like, you know, here's one tree with, you know, frozen, you know, yucky food on it and then a beautiful <laughs> tree. There was lots of good yeah. stuff. That's right. But they needed respect to know. Yeah. And it's really interesting, you know, from a parenting perspective, uh, I've just seen it in my own kids where they're going to test you on this. Yep. Yep. And you want to be consistent and it's hard to be consistent. It's hard to be consistent when you're tired and you just want to give the kid their way so they'll be quiet or whatever it is. But how important it is to see the fruit for the child. And again, we are trying to be selfless in our parenting, but sometimes the selfless thing to do is, is to firmly, gently, but to firmly make sure the child does not get their way when they are misbehaving. And we've told our children that, you know, when you act ugly, when you act out, yeah. you are not going to get your way. And sometimes there might have even been something I was going to say yes to, Yeah. but then the child goes about it this way that's rebellious, and we're like, okay, you were going to get that, but now you're not because exactly. of the way that you're acting. And did you explain that to them? Say, yeah. you were going to do this, but now now it's not going to happen. And yeah. what's been interesting is is... 
you also you often see regressions in the kids' behavior. Like they'll they'll do they'll do well, yep. and then they'll decide. You know, I'm going to test them. That, I'm going to see if that fence is still there. Over, yeah, <laughs> yeah. give it a good yeah, shake, yeah, and yeah. and you're like, oh no, like I thought we were through this, and but then when they test the fence, and and sure enough, it's still there. It's yes. not budging. Then they go back to being content, and it's it's amazing to see after some of the hard days that there's easier days after. But you oh, yes, have to yes. stand firm on the, on the yes, hard yes, days. Yes, yes, yes. So it's like the gardening. It's after you planted the garden and a couple weeks in you went and did a good job of weeding. It doesn't mean that you're you're done. Yeah, no more weeds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just but, one round. But if when they pop up, you deal with it then. It's like Hebrews 12 says, you know, all discipline uh, it's not joyous at the moment, but it it yields this 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 peaceful peaceful fruit. Uh one other thing I want to touch on before we finish, and that's this. Little children learn then that no is a powerful word. And there's a place for them saying no. Like, uh. Uh, would, uh, would you like, you know, some more green beans? Uh, if they say no, thank you. Now, I would recommend, you know, unless they're allergic to it or something, this is just some advice. I would recommend teaching children to eat. This was my mom's rule with us. And this is where we go, you know, some family rules. But a lot of families have this rule, and it makes a lot of sense. You're going to eat some of everything on your plate. Um, and so mom didn't make me eat a lot of Brussels sprouts. You know, so I might eat two. And if there were two on my plate and I eat them, now I'm done. And if she said, would you like some more Brussels sprouts? Right. My answer would have been no, <laughs> no, no, thank you. Um and that's okay. Uh, but you know what? Actually, now I like Brussels sprouts. <laughs> I've finally learned to like them. You're, you're a better man than I. And uh, actually, this was funny. Uh, just last night at dinner, uh, there was an item on the plate that Daddy did not like. <laughs> and so we talked about that. And I said, listen, you know, Mama's worked hard to make this. Mm-hmm. And I'll just let you girls know, like, I, this is not my favorite thing. But it's good for me. It's helpful. And so daddy's going to eat this even though it's not his favorite food. There you go. Food. There you go. And, and something... You no, probably we, didn't get thirds. <laughs> I did not. I did not. Um, but we tried to teach, you know, uh, helping the children see that the adults are practicing self-control. Yes. We're having to say no as well to ourselves. Yes. And we're having to do that. And uh, it, hopefully that's helpful to them as they're growing and seeing, oh, like... You know, it's not just us being told no. Like, mom and daddy right. are having to say no to themselves all the time. Yeah, They're tired and they don't want to have to do this, thing, but they're doing it anyway. And, yes. and, and trying to see, this isn't just for you kids. It's, it's yes. for us as we get older as well. And the reason we're teaching you this is because it will serve you the rest of your life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But they do learn that that's a powerful word. And so other than proper uses of the word, no, like, no, thank you. They will sometimes test out. No, <laughs> define Jared. No. Time to pick up your toys. No. Okay. Uh, I, I decided when I was a teenager because uh, I would see kids like that. You know, no. And I just decided when I was a teenager, I am not going to have kids that say no. And we didn't. Now, that doesn't mean that there was never a time or two that some of them might have gone, no. But then they learned how unproductive that was. 
And it, that, that would, telling a lie or saying a defiant no were like the two, you know, capital offenses. And they, they learned, if they did it, they learned not to do that. So it doesn't mean that your child won't do something foolish, but who did God put there to help your child learn not to do that? That's you, Mom. That's you, Dad. And so you help him learn not to do that. And you don't do it out of anger. You do it out of love. And when he learns, oh, yeah, don't do that, then that's the other part of this no. Because we don't want children that say no to God. Right. Uh or it's, to other sources of authority when those authorities, when they're right. doing that properly. And of that's course, there's right. a whole uh, way that we teach the order of authority and who you say no to and who you don't. Yes. But we want them to learn to say no to the, to the proper things, self-control, um, but then learn uh, to submit and to accept authority when that is, is proper and right. Thank you all so much for listening to the show today. If you have any Bible questions or like to talk with us further about this, please feel free to reach out to us, 717-585-0949. You can text or call or email us at capitalcitychristians at gmail.com. Or for more information on group studies and worship, check us out at capitalcitychristians.com. Thanks so much for listening.